0: Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina.
1: Good afternoon, my friends. This is John Grace and Daniel Medina, my cohort here. Uh, on Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. So glad you could spend some time with us this afternoon. Yes, we do like to take the mystery out of all the things we possibly can, or at least put more light on the subject and certainly put you in a position where you can make better, if not more informed decisions. For us, that's what it's all about. And that's why we're here. So we're going to touch on a, a number of topics this afternoon and the next, uh, 57 minutes or so. Uh, we're going to look at how uh, retirees are uh, unfortunately overly optimistic about the financial future in one report. For Market Watch, we'll also look at how uh, inflation is creeping into the equation. And I think you're going to hear more about that. And Warren Buffett uh, says it's, it's real and there are eight ways to be ready. Uh, Daniel Medina likes a list so we've got eight ways for you to be ready. So you might want to get ready and either you know come back and visit this recording at Voice America at your convenience, or grab a pencil, paper, and that way you can you can take some notes. And then we're going to look uh, at something that's fascinating, at least from our standpoint, and put some light on this subject. And that's this whole notion of stimulus, uh, and, and and the central banks, including the Federal Reserve, would want you to believe they have all the tools to make the economy hum perfectly. Not too hot, not too cold. Just make it work just right. And they to put a kind of a, a metaphor in, in the equation, it's kind of like they, they want you to believe they have the capacity to effectively put a thermostat on the economic wall, if you will, and the machines will do all the work to keep you comfortable, not too hot, not too cold, just right except those machines do break. <laughs> and frankly, it's, there is no machine. Okay, let's look at the man behind the curtain because that's what we need to look at, the people behind the curtain. The, one of the things that the Fed has no tools for is something like deflation hmm, or a, um, an economic downturn, like a depression, no tools whatsoever. So at some point, you, you might think you have the biggest uh, water pistol uh, with the kids in the backyard, and one of them shows up, that would be me, with a water gun. You've been outgunned, or you run out of bullets, and then we're just going to wet you all up, okay? So we'll we'll get into that, and and we'll also talk about what we see as far as the market is concerned, but in, in terms of some of the things that we believe that are just not true, today is May 5th, and most of us in America, and in fact, according to a survey by nationaloftheday.com, Uh, Most of us, that would be 90% of Americans, uh, believe that uh, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, commemorates Mexico's independent day. Guess what? That is not true. (laughs) Only 10% of Americans know the true reason behind the holiday, and that is that May 5th marks the Mexican Army's victory over France at the Battle of Puebla during the Franco-Mexican War in 1862. Mexico's actual Independence Day is celebrated on September 16th. So I guess, you know, in, in, in these United States of America, we just look for any reason to celebrate, right? Uh, we, we love the cheap margaritas and we love to wear the sombreros. And, but we want you to be smarter than that. Please enjoy the martinis and the sombreros, especially if you can be outside. But uh, this, uh, this is fascinating to me, how we have come to believe so many things you know, uh, Daniel makes me think about uh, uh, Thanksgiving, right? What did we believe? <laughs> the pilgrims and, and the new Americans just got along just fine and shared turkey? How many of these stories have we, uh, have we just absorbed? Because it feels good, but that's the problem with being overly optimistic, as we will see in many ways. And, and by the way, perhaps you heard one of the pandemic doctors talk about this COVID-19 many times people will be overly optimistic. And, and the way he put it, I think he's spot on. He said that the problem with optimism is that it breeds complacency. And that might make us more like look more like Rip Van Winkle. We go to sleep. We think everything's just fine. We put it on cruise control. We shut our eyes. Maybe we'll look at our phone. But we are out for the count. No, we must be vigilant. We must be uh, aware of what's going on and look to see what that means to us, and how we can play the game to our advantage, all right? So as we are fond of doing, we like talking about the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ, and we always look at it, we think in a more meaningful way from year to date. So year to date means from January 1 through today, and of course the market is open and will close in about 53 minutes. But we're looking at a couple of things, not only where the returns are, which is where, where most people stop, but what's going on behind the scenes, which is really what, uh, as I say, don't look at the, let's look at the man behind the curtain. <laughs> don't believe there was a boss because that's all made up. Disneyland is not some place you want to be stuck in for the rest of your life. It might be the happiest place on earth, but it's all false and you, it's all fake and you don't want to spend the rest of your life there because it's all false and it's all fake. So when we look at the Dow through today from January one rate returns, 11.8%, almost 12% through the first five days of May, first five months of the year, 2021. That's not a bad annual number. And we're seeing that even before we get to the halfway mark through 2021, 11.8%. Actually, it's 11.88. So it's, as I say, almost 12%. and, And the Dow is up in a big way today, about a half of a percent, 182 points up. But let me say this, uh, what often happens is that people will look at the market earlier in the day. And sometimes we need to really focus on it later in the day, right before it closes. Because one of the things that Daniel and I have noticed recently, and by the way, we've seen this before, it is not uncommon for the markets to be lofty, if you will, uh, staying green in positive territory throughout the day. But in, in the last hour or so in a new low. So right now we are in uh, nosebleed territory with the Dow. And then uh, the S&P is right behind the Dow up 11.3% for the year. Uh, Those are, as I say, very good numbers. This is where it becomes a little more interesting when we switch over to see how the NASDAQ is doing. And of course, the NASDAQ is typically the growth engine of the stock market. And that was absolutely true Uh, in uh, last year. And by the way, it was absolutely true from 95 to 99, where the NASDAQ quadrupled, as I recall, while the Dow and the S&P in the last five years of the 90s increased by about 200%. But what also happened starting around January, February of 2000, is the NASDAQ pretty much became unglued from the overall stock market, What we saw was the smaller dot-coms, right? You had to be a dot-com back then, right? Or you weren't real. And a lot of those companies weren't real and they didn't produce anything and they didn't have any earnings, but the stock prices were going to an all new high almost every day. And then it seems as though the smaller dot-coms kind of led the NASDAQ in decline. And then the larger ones like you know Cisco, for example, Uh, we'll always remember uh, Enron, They came apart at the seams and then took the rest of the market with it. So it's interesting that I say that look at the uh, S&P. It's up about 11%. uh, Dow's up about almost 12%. The NASDAQ is up uh, 6%, 6 6.1%. So this will be interesting to to watch because uh, we're looking for depth. Uh, We want to see volume. And sometimes you look at the index that gives you an indication and you draw conclusions conclusion that that's what's really happening. And unfortunately, it may only be happening to the top 10% of stocks, which will give you a misread because you want to look at all the stocks. And the more volume, the better. The less volume, that means that a lot of companies are not participating. And one of the things that we're uh, keeping our eye on for you is looking at the number of zombie companies that have had great debt and don't seem to be they just seem to be limping along uh, that'll work for a while and then as i say you know eventually the carousel music stops and everybody has to get off so this will be interesting we'll keep our eye on this one but it's something we want you to pay attention to to really recognize what the overall market is doing and not just uh, look at the leader and 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 decide that that's telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth. That just may be a, a disguise, if you will, in terms of what's going on behind the scenes. So speaking of uh, disguises and uh, making everything perfect in our minds, that everything's just fine and this is going to be a V-shaped recovery and the economy is going to bounce back like uh, a new penny, You know, we see that uh, thanks to MarketWatch, retirees are overly optimistic about their financial future their expectations, does this sound familiar to you, are out of line with reality. So, uh, you know, Yogi Berra put it, well, Daniel, it's deja vu all over again. And I, this comes from the Employee Benefit Research Institute, looking at their retirement confidence survey, where this is a nonpartisan group that um, this is the 31st time of putting off putting this, uh, this report off the presses. And once again, the findings are clear, Americans love a good pair of rose-colored glasses. And, and let's agree, we can drink the Kool-Aid, maybe that'll make us feel good for a minute, and we can wear the rose-colored glasses, but that just discolors things for a while. And eventually you're gonna take them off. So what are you seeing here, Daniel? What, what, what do you think we should all be, what are our takeaways from this overconfidence?
2: I think it's fascinating that that we this is a common theme, and it's something that's going to be a common theme for a long time because people just don't do the the work or the research. Like you said earlier, the misconception that we kind of believe what well, we believe without without actually doing any research, thinking people thinking that the Cinco de Mayo is Mexican Independence Day, that's just seems right, but no one actually <laughs> goes to figure out if it is right or not. So people thinking that I'm going to have a good retirement without actually figuring out if they can, if they can afford a good retirement, sounds right to me. That sounds 100% like, like Americans. Um, it, interesting stat here, um, half of workers expect to gradually transition into retirement. Only 19% of people do, and 79%, 73% of people just have a sudden full-time stop. That's pretty common. A lot of people retire because they have to, not because they want to uh, or or because they can. It's it's usually a medical uh, problem for themselves or for somebody else, and that's pretty common. What it takes to actually retire with confidence is planning. You have to save enough money. And to save enough money, you actually have to know what that is. How much is enough money to retire? It takes a little bit of work and a little bit of planning to figure out uh, how much you're going to spend through retirement, which we can work backwards and figure out how much you actually have to save and earn through while you're working so you can retire uh, in the same, with the same standard that you, that you were accustomed to.
1: Well, and that's why we like to say, folks, you're accustomed to spending a lot of time on vacations, particularly after you've been locked down for a year, right? And a lot of time on weddings, whether it's a sibling or your children, a lot of time and a lot of money. But when it comes to doing the planning, and by the way, our trademark is the proof is in the planning. We're really proud of that one. Most of us just don't bother. We just imagine everything. Happy days are here again. Okay. Uh, So what what worries us is in this report, seven out of 10 workers expect working for pay to be a source of retirement income. 68% expect this to be at least a minor source of income in retirement, but only 23% of retirees report this is an actual source of retirement income. So to put that in perspective, seven out of 10 think I'm just gonna be able to work until I just don't want to anymore. And two out of uh, 10 are saying, that's, that's, that's the only two out of the 10 are saying that actually worked for us. So we've got our, you know, we're looking at it backwards. We're looking at it upside down. We just imagine that our savings and investments outside of our house uh, will be fine. But 21% of us have less than $10,000. And the savings and investment between those with and without a retirement plan. IRA, defined benefit, 401k, are are starkly different. Now this number is 65% of those without a retirement plan have less than that $10,000 in savings. And that's where the icing on this fantasy, as they put it, versus the reality scenario. The survey conducted in 2021 with 3,000 Americans 25 and older, eight in 10 retirees are confident they will have enough to live comfortably in retirement, including one in three who are very confident, and seven in 10 workers are confident in having enough money to live comfortably. But I think they're being overly optimistic, and as Daniel puts it, I don't think they bothered to look at the income that they're gonna need. Has that income been addressed with taxes and inflation in the, as part of the equation? Has life expectancy been put into that equation? The answer for most of this is no, not even a little bit. We just expect that I've got a, you know, we had one, was this last week we were talking about Daniel, uh, the average uh, net worth was $120,000 and this source suggested that your income could be about $1,000 a month. And Daniel and I are looking at each other, there's just no way. I mean, to, to be safe, you should assume that your withdrawal rate by the way, the lower the withdrawal rate, the higher probability of being able to live to 100 without running out of money. So in the old days, 30 years ago, we'd say, hey, the market's getting 12, you can withdraw at eight. Today we're saying you need to withdraw at four or less. So what does that mean? If you only needed $40,000 out of an account today, not 20 years from now, not 10 years from now, that means uh, we need a million dollar account today at a 4% withdrawal, to take out $40,000 safely. Hopefully the, the account's enjoying a six or 7% return. Hopefully there are no declines to that account, but if there are no declines and we're getting say six or seven withdrawing at four, that math is not complicated and you're not making hope a strategy. And of course we know it just to hope is not a strategy. So we really need to do our, our homework and take the time, as I say, as we do with the things we enjoy, take that same attitude with, well, maybe this isn't so much fun, but I have good news for you. Those who go through the exercise and keep their eye on the ball, guess what? They reveal that they are more satisfied. They find life more satisfying because more of the uncertainty has been taken out of the equation. And, and as far as we're concerned, that would be an improvement. So, and then let's understand this COVID is to, epic, uh, this disaster of epic proportions has had a real uh, damaging effect on uh, primarily women and minorities. So again, this, uh, this work has to be done. Uh, this is the kind of work we like to do. And just, you know, if you're an essential worker, we're happy to sit down with you at no cost to put your financial plan in order so that you know what does it take to, work make, to make work optional? What happens in the event? Uh, a breadwinner dies too soon. And if there are children in the equation, how can we all go to the graduation and cry, not only because they finished successfully, but because nobody has any debt hanging on them for the rest of their lives. So we'll get to our next point right after this break. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
1: Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your
0: favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up
1: at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now back to Fiscal Fitness.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, John Grace and Daniel Medina here on Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. And just to finish up our point, looking at how we can be overconfident in terms of financial planning purposes and and results. Here's what we think is uh, really disturbing in terms of uh, lack of transparency, transparency, for investors and the financial education has resulted in more than one in three workers rely on family and friends for retirement planning advice. I mean, geez, do you go to your family and friends to have your dental work done, to have your car worked on, to to, uh, look at uh, your medical situation? I really don't think so. You turn to a professional, don't you? The same share, one out of three, relies on their own research that they conduct online. Now, let me comment here, Daniel, maybe you have a point to make, because One of the things that we've done is look at some of the, in fact, we talked about one source that said with $120,000, you could take out thousand dollars a month. You need to get a second opinion. Some of these uh, ideas that come out in the middle of the night where people are not licensed, they have absolutely nothing to lose in case they are wrong. People are taking action around, but it's not substantive. Okay. It's marginal at best. For example, Do you know what the odds are of your taking out, let's say $70,000 a year from your $1.3 million uh, retirement account? What are the odds of success for you and your significant other to each reach age 100? Do you know if you have zero odds? Do you know you have odds at 80%? Do you know? Most of us don't know. And most of us don't really have the tools with which to determine whether or not the odds are in our favor. We just kind of do it in our head. And let's understand that in America, when it comes to a four letter word, math is probably the only four letter word we do not like to use and we do not like to apply, but it requires math. And as I say, it takes it. takes the math needs to take into account the timing and inflation, which again, is hard to do on your own. It's hard to do online in the situations that, that we have seen. So, you know, only one out of three currently are working with a financial advisor, and we're going to advocate that that's a, a smart move. What, what do you see here, Daniel?
2: I think you're 100% right. And people need to take the time to find, to find to interview and find somebody to work with that, that make sense to them, uh, where they like what they're saying, or at least they're like their, their point of view. Um, we think planning is first and foremost, before we talk about investing or anything else, you, you need to start with with some kind of plan. And people don't simply don't take the time to find to find someone to work with who thinks like that. We always want to talk about what's going to make us the most money, because that's what's fun and that's what's sexy. But that's mm-hmm. not step one.
1: No, it's not step one. And I mean, you went, well, as I say, when you're planning your vacation, you look at every detail. You know exactly where you're supposed to be at what time and exactly where you're supposed to show up on time safely. Nothing, very little is left to chance, right? And you wanna have a good time. So you wanna make sure you have enough money when you go. And it's certainly gotten a lot easier of traveling around the world than it was before. But you you look at all of these pieces to the puzzle before you get on the cruise line, before you get into the car, before you get into Uber, before you go to the airport, you can see how this all comes together. And what are you constantly doing? Reevaluating. no different than putting a man or a woman on the moon or Mars. They have to continue to reevaluate to see are the odds in our favor, what adjustments need to be made uh, you know, at, at, at any moment to increase our odds of getting where we intended to be roughly within the same timeframe. So we can get to the wedding on time as opposed to miss the whole thing. So let's look at, uh, speaking of alarms, you're going to hear more about inflation. And then I think for good reason, mostly because um, the way we look at it, that one of the primary drivers of inflation are wages. And right now we're seeing a lot of evidence that people, frontline workers like service and hospitality workers, particularly are saying, well, we need to make more money, they're making sure they're to, to, to demand higher wages we're also seeing higher prices in things like copper and lumber in a very big way so uh, food okay basic commodities so it's creeping into the equation but you have a, a list here daniel from yahoo uh, and money wise thanks to warren buffett we, we like that guy 90 years old what's his net worth over billion, arguably one of the best investors of all time. He has eight ways to be ready for inflation. Uh, So, you know, to worry, not to worry, that's the question, at least as far as inflation is concerned. But what are some of the things people can do to um, work with this inflation as opposed to be afraid of it and just uh, turn on, become Rip Van Winkle?
2: Well, inflation is a natural thing, and it's not something we've worried about for the last 10 years or so. It just hasn't been a conversation. Um, Through January, the annualized rate of inflation was 1.4%. Through February, it was 2.6. That's a significant increase uh, for a one-year-over-year number. So, and and we don't—it's very possible it'll continue to go up. So, again, it's not something we've talked about for a long time, but it's—it's something that's very normal. Long-term inflation is more like three and a half percent. So, we've been running way below long-term average rates for quite a long time. And essentially, what inflation is is everything getting more expensive. That also means your the value of your dollar is lower. Your buying power is lower. So what you could buy for $10 last year, maybe it costs you $12 this year. And essentially it's, it's something that we're always going to consider when we're do, when we're planning for long-term, long-term, when we're doing a long-term plan, we assume inflation's at 3%, not something we've seen in a long time, but we'd rather estimate on the long, on the, on the high end. Um, now we may have to go a little bit higher on inflation just to kind of keep up with, with our projections, but uh, here we go. So eight things that you can do to kind of, to, to, not worry about inflation as much. The first one is increase your earning power. Um, Not necessarily an easy thing to do, but where can you make yourself more valuable? This might mean taking on some kind of side hustle. Um, What else can you do to make some money when you're not doing your day job? Um, The good thing about inflation is one of the primary one of the primary factors of inflation is is higher wages, which means for the most part, people should be earning more year over year. So are you earning what you're supposed to be earning? If not, then maybe you need to get to a place where you're earning where you need to be earning or doing something else to earn some additional money so you can stay on top of these increasing prices.
1: And so that might mean a little education or a class or a series where you uh, may be able to Put yourself in a position that you're not in now but it may be a better position over the next three to five years uh, and in the meantime look at uh, job postings to see where there might be opportunities as we say don't be complacent this is not a time to do that
2: certainly what can you do to make yourself more valuable it's a great question what can you is there a certificate you can get is there an additional class you can take that'll make you more valuable in your in your in your in your work that's a great question it's something you should always be asking yourself really
1: What's next?
2: Number two, play the stock market. Historically, stocks have outperformed inflation. That's all. I think it's always been the case, just about. Um, So having some kind of investment in the stock market, in the overall broad stock market is a great idea. Having um, your money working for you just in general is a great idea. We're not a fan of lazy money. We never want you to have more cash than, than you need to. So saving and investing are, are, are integral parts to your financial future, and it's gonna help you stay ahead of inflation.
1: All right, Number What's next? Th-
2: number three is uh, um, hard assets, uh, precious, precious metals, typically do very well. So it should be a component to your investments, not just the stock market, but some kind of precious metals like gold or palladium or silver, tend to do very well during high inflation times. So it should be, you should consider it for part of your investments as well.
1: Well, and on that note, Daniel, let's talk about 2008 because uh, houses got hit, bonds got hurt and stocks got crushed. But to your point, I mean, that wasn't a high inflationary uh, period, but what did well in 2008 that most people don't know?
2: Futures contracts did very well and futures contracts are bets on positions like commodities uh, where they can go up or down in a particular year. But uh, positions in futures contracts on commodities and other indexes did really well in 2008. So that's, that's, a, that's a, we want you to stay diversified, which means having things not like your stocks or bonds, which means futures positions uh, and commodities and access to other asset classes.
1: Well, you might think of it, if you like cars folks, like a 12 cylinder engine in the old Jaguars, right? That was the smoothest ride. Why? Because you've got cylinders going up and down at the same time. So when you have an investment or a series of investments that are all going up simultaneously, guess what happens when they turn south? They all go down simultaneously. So we want some things that are going up and down, some things you're happy with, some things you're disappointed with simultaneously. And that to the point about 2008, most people don't know of anything That did well and aha look at that it took you the whole year to see the kind of gains that some commodities enjoyed but the point is by virtue of being in more things than let's say stocks bonds and real estate and cash there could be something that surprises you to the upside when everything else seems to be going down like the titanic how about the real estate market it's been on
2: a tear and for quite a while but particularly in the last year or so uh, it's really been on a tear, and it, this is another thing that tends to do well in inflationary environments: is uh, real estate. Just, just in general, um, it, it should be a part. Again, staying diversified, it should be a part of everyone's portfolio. We don't want anyone to be over, have all their money in in their in real estate. We want you to have a balanced position in inside real estate and outside of real estate. That doesn't just mean your primary uh, residence, but possibly your investment properties. Um, and if you don't own a home, there are ways to get access to real estate that aren't um, your owning your own home. Um, some, there are real estate investments that you can get access to. Um, nothing we could talk about on, on air, but there's certainly things that we can, t- we can put in clients' portfolios.
1: And what do you see? Uh, Because people typically, when they look at their net worth, they don't include the equity in their homes. Do you have kind of a guideline or a pattern that you've seen relative to how much uh, as a ratio people have in their real estate portfolios versus their more liquid positions like stocks, bonds and cash?
2: But a lot of times, when we're talking to somebody, they're they're so focused on real estate, they want to put all their money in real estate. And what I, what I tell them is, you want to have at least the same amount of money in equity inside your house as you have liquid assets outside your house.
1: And 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 by that, by what, by the way, we're also accounting for all real estate. So, for example, with a couple with four million dollars, and uh, three million of that is in three properties that's not the kind of balance we're talking about they get very comfortable particularly when the rents go up and the houses are paid for and the prices go up makes you feel really smart but most of us aren't prepared for the reverse to happen to go through a period of time where the prices on the properties and the rents decline simultaneously when's the last time that happens and then suppose that the market doesn't return to its high water mark on your timeline. That's what people are not prepared for either. So oftentimes people think real estate is the best investment and it can be when there is appreciation and appropriate leverage. You, you, it's that combination that works in an up market. But as we've discussed before, in fact, just to go over it real quickly, if you you know have whatever amount in the stock market it drops 50%, you'd probably be okay with that. But if you have, let's say a million dollar house you just moved into two years ago, you put your customary $200,000 down and that property value or the rental drops by 50%, guess what just happened to your down payment? It's gone right down, away. So right before your very eyes, that's the kind of thing, as we say, we want to be more diversified than ever and recognize how sometimes we have more money allocated to real estate than we recognize. We just think of it as three houses, but then when we add it up relative to the other assets, as I say, uh, 3 million out of, out of 4 million, that's what, 70, 75% of their uh, uh, almost maybe close to 8% as the properties have increased faster than other things. Uh, that's a big bet. So what about uh, adjustable rates and, and and debt?
2: So adjustable rates are great when interest rates are going down. Um, typically, we see these in credit cards, and um, home equity lines of credits, um, personal lines of credits. Uh, we see adjustable a- um, interest rates. So as interest rates go down, your interest rate that you're paying on your debt also goes down. The reverse is true when interest rates go up. Now, this may not be the case for a little while for, for a while, for the next couple of years, but at some point interest rates have to go up. They can't stay at historic lows forever. And when you when they do start going up, your adjustable rate debt, the interest will go up on those as well. So if, if it's an option, this could be a great time in looking at fixing some of those adjustable rate debts um, pieces that you might have in, in your in your portfolio, whether it be an equity line or credit card or something like that.
1: Well, and we're going to talk next week, folks, looking ahead, uh, what we can learn from Warren Buffett in addition to these suggestions. But uh, what are the habits that he has that we could embody or certainly embrace? And um, you know, our parents used to tell us, you make your habits and your habits make you. And he has a very interesting philosophy about debt. Uh, And he also has a, a way of looking at things that's quite different than most. But remember, he's done better than most. So maybe we can learn from the From the best and the brightest. What should you be doing with that debt level, Daniel?
2: Paying it down. Uh, debt can really hurt you, especially if, if if interest rates are going up and everything else is getting more expensive and you can't service those debts uh, next year the way you're servicing them this year because you have to pay more for rent or for food or for something else. So this is a great time to be paying down that debt because it could uh, creep up on you very quickly, um, not only because you're spending more, but because you're not be able to pay down the debt um, with with everything else going up. So pay down that debt.
1: While you can, particularly in the environment where, you know, you lost your job or you're not able to uh, get a job that's paying you what you earned maybe two years ago or 10 years ago. Now the debt becomes even more problematic and that's where people can't sleep at night. And we want you sleeping well because you know you can afford to. What about other costs?
2: Cut the if possible at all, cut them as well. So we talked about this a little bit last week, but trimming your budget is, is very important to staying ahead of your finances. The less that you spend, the more that you earn. So the more that you can cut down your expenses, the better you're going to be overall, especially in an environment where things are getting more expensive uh, to the extent that you can cut down what you're, what, you're, what you're spending more than the inflation rate. You're doing a
1: very good job. And, and don't get snotty and think uh, clipping coupons means you're poor. All right? Buff, that's one of Buffett's habits, by the way. <laughs> we'll talk about that more. But he was in Hong Kong and, and um, a picture was taken of him and his buddy uh, Bill Gates by wife Melinda. And guess what he was doing? Paying for lunch at McDonald's in Hong Kong with coupons. That's what Buffett was doing. <laughs> and Bill went right along with it. He didn't have to eat the biggest steak in town. He likes being cheap and putting his money to work. And, and lastly, what's the eighth item on the list, Daniel? Stay,
2: stay the course. In a perfect environment, uh, with everything, in a perfect inflationary environment, everyone's income would be going up as well as their expenses, as their expenses, which is typically what we see. That's not always the case for everybody, but for a lot of people, that's. That's what happens. So don't let inflation scare you so much that you, that you get paralyzed. Um, keep doing what you're doing. we have given you some great tips to kind of trim your expenses and, and, and do better in an inflationary environment, but don't let it scare you so much that you're, you're going to get paralyzed. Um, well, even, go
1: ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, take it as a, a way to be inspired. I mean, notice your house, your medical expenses, uh, college costs have all risen higher than most people's income. So make your, look at yourself as a commodity and look at some of those ratios, look at some of the increases, whether 5% or whatever it is, and, and see how you can play the game to make sure that your income has a potential for rising to help offset some of these uh, rising, rising costs. All right, good work. So we'll uh, get to our next break. Uh, and want to make sure you know that we do have a great book that is available. In fact, if you send us your email address, we'll make it available to you for free through the Kindle version. That'll be a message from Amazon, and it is Making Finance Make Sense. It's a way to look at it as a beach entrance in terms of making some of this, all these things make some sense and give you the tools that make you feel like you can make some progress. So we'll be right back after a short break. Please don't move.
2: Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa,
0: play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. 2077. That's YBPOOR.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey.
1: The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics. Strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America Business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: you are listening to fiscal fitness to reach the show today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com now back to fiscal fitness
1: Welcome back, my friends. John Grayson, Daniel Medina here. So glad you could spend some time with us on this wonderful Wednesday afternoon on Voice America at Fiscal Fitness. And we were talking about debt and interest rates and things of that nature. Uh, I also want to point out that uh, one of the words you're hearing now that you didn't used to hear before, transitory, that's what Chairman... Uh, Jerome Powell is suggesting inflation might be just kind of passing okay it won't it won't stick around but remember you have sometimes we have to watch what we wish for right they've been wanting inflation which we thought was very arbitrary and we never really understand the logic behind that to be at two percent well sometimes it gets beyond your goal right um, and that's when you start running out of tools from the standpoint of what can you do uh, again the central bank wants you to believe that they have all the controls they possibly can and, and they will put them into play but they are making or may not work so be careful of drinking that uh, kool-aid and looking through things through a that rose-colored glasses okay so um let's look at the stimulus because we, we study these things and we've noticed that central banks including the federal reserve as we say would have you believe stimulus will always make the economy grow no matter what we can just set the thermostat and the machines will do all of the work but look one of the things that we're not talking about anywhere and that is globally there are more people aged 65 and older than 5 and younger now you tell me what the any government can do what any central bank can do to make you go buy a new pair of uh, pf flyers in your 60s because you want to run faster and jump higher so these 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 ideas these notions of what they can cause the economy to do, I'm going to submit, it's very clear, gets interrupted by things like mother nature and father time. We've never seen as many people 65 and older. And by the way, thanks to COVID-19, the birth rates last we looked in the last year in the US is light by about 300,000. So we're not the only ones who aren't replicating ourselves. We are one of many countries, particularly the developed countries, that right now are just not replicating ourselves. And clearly for any economy to have any life, you have to have life, right? We need more people coming into the equation as opposed to uh, exiting stage left. And, and many of us, you have a, a man and a woman who were Married and they did they have children? Many of the millennials these days they're not anxious to have children, they're not anxious to run out to uh, buy a house in the suburbs and drive back and forth to into the city. Things are changing, and when we look at it numerically, we see that you know we enjoyed a rising U.S. population between 1964 and 2000, and in fact, labor hours employed per capita rose by a we would all agree a robust 40%. Since 2000, however, labor hours employed per capita have declined by nearly 9%. So what's going on here? Uh, and, and, and we find this is interesting that insiders are selling shares and that's uh, four, one of the four signs that we see that are not good for this bull market. So how, how do you put it, Daniel, in a way that you, you think makes sense to our listeners?
2: Uh, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Oh, the numbers are good. Uh, Everything seems to be be pointing correctly. Um, But at some point, at some point, things have to turn around. And we're simply, I think the government's simply spending too much money uh, for it not to be a problem at some point. And that's what we're kind of looking out for. Um, not that it, not that it's going It may not be a long-term problem. It could be a short blip, but there could be some kind of major correction that derails certain people. And if you're not ready for it, then you get you get blindsided by it. Particularly if you need the money when when it when it goes down, then you really get hurt by it.
1: And and that seems to be the problem, folks. We're, We're talking about consumers having debt, but guess what? Everybody's playing the same game. We all want to look like and roll like the Kardashians, only we're not rolling like the Kardashians. So whether it's consumers or companies or governments, everybody is taking on uh, additional debt. Everybody is finding ways to spend money, money they have, money they don't have. At some point, the carousel stops, and, and that means the music stops, and everybody has to get off. So part of the problem that we're seeing is all of the low interest rates, the Federal Reserve buying the bonds, uh, you know, what, $120 million a, a, a month. Uh, that uh, At some point, that has to stop, and but at the in the meantime you're putting more money into the equation to eke out relatively low productivity rates when it comes to gross domestic product and then notice that when we look at the S&P and a lot of us uh, particularly millennials have uh, gotten into stocks after the March 23rd that seems to be the bottom uh, last year, so they've seen nothing but upside. Which, which of course, there's that optimism breeding that complacency, and certainly making people feel they are smarter than they might be. And it has to do, like the gains have to have something to do with how smart I am. Well, no, they don't. You just maybe threw the right dart at the right time. The timing might be on your side, but the intelligence, I, you know, you don't know whether that buy is going to go to the roof or go through the ceiling or go through the floor. So you don't want to feel bad uh, when it declines. You also don't want to feel overly good about the upside. It did what it did, probably for the most part, out of your control. But according to MarketWatch, you know, the S&P, for example, is up a whopping 42% over the last year. And more than we were just talking about this, uh, 11% so far this year. So those are really majorly great numbers. And at some point, what goes up, does go down. And that's what we're saying to you. This is something you want to take the time to figure out. How down can it go? And you be okay. I mean, I'll never forget talking to several, it seemed like I saw three neighbors and two friends, like just around March 23rd last year. And that's when the, looks like the S&P, the Dow had their highest day in February 19th and their lowest day on, on March 23rd. Ever since then, it's been off to the races. But around the 23rd of, of March, it was, I believe it was a Friday, if my recollection is correct, certainly close to a Friday, I saw some older people, males, uh, retired over that weekend. And I, to a person, I was really impressed or affected by their mood. I thought they were going to cry. They didn't tell me how bad their account had turned on them, but clearly it bothered them. And then they, you know, each time they ran off in the car or they went back in the house and didn't want to talk about it anymore. I thought that was fascinating. This is, these are real people in their seventies and there were a number of them. So it just goes to show you that when things are going up we all enjoy the upgrade, right? We like the markets when they melt up, it's when they melt down that we should be knowing how low the markets can go and your money not go that low. If your account was off, let's say, uh, 2% for the first quarter when last year when the market was off, what was it, Daniel, 20% or so in uh, first quarter 2020, that gives you some comfort to know, well, I'm down, but 2% isn't much, and that's not a big hole. I can probably recover. But as we get past the 20s and we get to the 30s and the 40s, now we, in many cases, might need over a, a 60% gain just to get back to even. Now the hole's big, and if we need to stop digging or it'll get even bigger uh, to get back to even. So it's, it's all about a matter of doing something that we think most investors have not been tasked with doing, and that is taking the time not only to do the plan, but to take the uh, the time to look at What kind of losses can happen without you going nuts? Or how can I watch the market decline severely, but what can I do to keep my account more intact so that we don't let our assets get handed to us, if you will? Uh, So those are the things that that, that we've seen some unprecedented levels here. Um, and, And of course, some of the things we've seen before actually mirror the Great Depression, after passing 4,000 points for the first time this month, uh, the S&P 500 is on track to soon double its 2019 uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, but we're we're worried that as we look to see the uh, S&P maybe peaking um, at this time, where does it go from here? So. Some are suggesting that the, the top could be, if you're looking at numbers, somewhere between 4,050 and 4,200 on the S&P, the Dow, there may be a ceiling, we don't know yet, only time will tell, at around 34 or 35,000. That's right in the neighborhood that we are in. And let's suppose in sometime this year, there's a 47% decline in value on your watch. Would that be okay with you? or would you like to choose another number? And then back test the work to see, for example, first quarter 2020 or February 19th through March 23rd, how did the market do versus how did your account do versus how another portfolio performed in real time at the same time? So now you're actually putting together an apples to apples comparison of different portfolios for the exact same time frame, so that you can see if the market was off 37%, for example, in 08, how far off was your account? And maybe if you hold those same positions, you, maybe you wanna look at a different portfolio for the year to recognize how that your portfolio might've declined maybe significantly less than the overall market as opposed to writing the uh, roller coaster, hoping and praying that the prices will return to these lofty levels so that you can get on with life. We want you to take the time to figure out what kind of losses you can live with in advance and then check to see if there's reason to believe that the portfolio you have will hold up better in the last de- declines that we, we can learn from history as opposed to being so busy repeating it, which in my opinion is one of the things Americans are really good at repeating history more than we learn from history. So look at some of these, uh, th- these situations you've already been through, two fifty percent declines in the same decade, Suppose that happens again, look at some of these situations you've already been through to see what you can do to keep your assets intact, as opposed to let them go down like the Titanic, never to see light at the end of the day. So what other comments do you have for our listeners, Daniel?
2: Um, Have an exit strategy. Um, What what a lot of people don't don't do is they plan for only up markets and they never plan for any down markets. So have a strategy with you if you're working with it with the advisor, talk to them about what is our exit strategy to get out of the market or to get less volatile or make our, our account less volatile if things do start to get more vol if the markets get more volatile. Things get scary, are we going to stay exactly where we are? Are we going to change if we're we're going to change our portfolio to get more conservative? So have some kind of exit strategy. Have that conversation with your professional.
1: It's, it's a smart thing to do. It's, uh, you know, you, you have a spare tire, right? Or you have run flat tires, but you don't drive without knowing you've got a, some way to keep the car running in the event something happens to one of the tires. So we look at it the same way from the standpoint of what can we do to recognize what kind of how bad it can get and yet that doesn't mean it has to be that bad for me if i'm trying to keep an income off of 2.6 million dollars do can i live with a 50% loss 2.6 is now what 1.3 and still withdraw at 4% you know now i have really increased my odds of running out of money before i run out of time we want you to live long we want your investments to be right there with you so we're going to suggest that you take the time to look at how you can plan and look at worst case scenarios to to see how you can stay intact as opposed to watch it all go away and have regret for the rest of your life. That's the scariest thing we can think of for us at this time. So we're going to leave it there. This is John Grace and Daniel Medina. We'll be right back here from 12 to 1 uh, p.m. on uh, that specific time on, on uh, Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. We'll, we'll see you then and have a great week. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the preceding program.